Hello, and welcome to the Slidebean Startups 101 podcast, a podcast about what it's like to start a business. My name is Kaya. I am the CEO at Slidebean and your host for today. Pebble was the next great smartwatch, and then it wasn't. In 2012, it became the most successful Kickstarter campaign at the time. $10 million pledged. The wearable technology market was at the gates of booming and the product was promising. Hopes were high and the fever seemed to catch on. By the beginning of 2013, the product began shipping and by 2014, over 400,000 units were sold. By 2016, the number was already 2 million units. But it's 2019 and the chances are most people don't know what a Pebble watch is. Pebble was ready to take the world by storm with its line of smartwatches. And for a very short period, it did. But production issues and most importantly, wrong decisions meant that just four years after its launch, the Pebble watch and the company Pebble sold all their assets and ceased to exist. What was once supposed to be a game changer is now a lump or forgotten technology and a lot of lessons learned. Pebble's CEO, Eric Migikowski, wasn't new to the world of wearable technology. Since 2008, he had tinkered with the idea of a watch that could dish out information like weather, sports, stocks, and, well, time. So he created the Impulse for BlackBerry phones. But the Impulse faced a hurdle that was hard to overcome and eventually would also haunt the Pebble. It was hardware, not software. And hardware needs a lot of money. Let's look into Migikovsky's early experiences with investors. In 2011, he was part of the Y Combinator Business Incubator Program. The conditions for Y Combinator are as follows. $150,000 from investors and this platform that sets up links with other investors. Do take into consideration one thing. Out of the more than 30 participants in this class, his was the only idea focused on hardware instead of software. Also, the impulse was geared towards BlackBerry alone. Hence, the idea didn't really catch on. So much so that Migikovsky only got one investor, Draper Fisher Juvertson, with a total investment of around 375K, which he spent manufacturing the impulse, which he wasn't able to sell. Because, well, Blackberries weren't a thing anymore. The birth of a promise. After such disappointment, Migakovsky decided that it was time for a major shakeup. He ditched the BlackBerry operating system and opted for a new approach. The new smartwatch would be compatible with multiple operating systems, plus it would be waterproof. And to officially break ties with the past, he would call it Pebble Watch. But where would he get the money? Investors hadn't shown interest before, so perhaps potential buyers would? That's exactly what Kickstarter works for. So in April 2012, he took to Kickstarter with a goal of $100,000, and it worked. Beautifully, within just two hours, he reached the goal. By the 18th of May, he had raised $10.3 million. It wasn't smooth sailing, though. Production hit a bit of a snag. The planned date of September 2012 had to be pushed back to 2013 because of issues with materials. But they had the money. So after coming to terms with the Taiwanese manufacturer Foxlink Group, production started at a rate of around 15,000 units a week. Just two years later, they had sold 400,000 units. The time is now for Eric Migikovsky, read a 2014 Financial Times headline. The road seemed to open for Pebble, at least with customers, because with investors, not so much. When Pebble wanted to launch their new product, the Pebble Time, investors were once again not interested. So they resorted to the crowdfunding strategy again, and to great success as they managed to round up $20 million. 
but we'll get back to this later. The Pebble products. Though Pebble watches weren't the only smartwatches at the time, they had a couple advantages over their competition. Pebble's spearhead was its battery life, rated for seven days, which meant users didn't have to charge them almost daily, as with many other brands. Also, it could be linked with iOS or Android. With information such as location, distance, altitude, and such, users could enjoy more than 8,000 apps built natively for the watch, from basics as stock, email, text messages, and social networks, to more complex as a remote control for phones and cameras, as well as GPS directions. The devices were waterproof, and the e-ink display worked well under most lighting conditions. Plus, with prices starting at just $99, it was an all-in-one, pretty decent package. Until you got to the nukes and crannies. So the user needed multiple apps to link the Pebble watch with his or her phone. This dependency hindered usability cumbersome. Plus, connectivity dropped multiple times a day, and that drained the phone's battery. Also, several users and reviewers discovered that Pebble worked much better with Android than iOS, which was a downside since many of its users were, in fact, iPhone users. And to top it off, first versions didn't have a scratch-resistant glass. Pebble attempted to fix this on the second generation. The new product had a color screen, Gorilla Glass, a stainless steel frame, and even kept its famous long-lasting battery. Even with the up-and-coming Apple Watch already creating noise, Confidence in Pebble was high. Mikikovsky himself said that he wasn't scared of the Apple Watch and that it would boost Pebble sales as the latter was significantly cheaper. And this, for a brief period, actually happened. Pebble had outsold Apple. What a product. So investors should be interested by now, right? Well, no, they weren't. And one of the reasons for this was, in fact, their feel-good story. Those very successful crowdfunding campaigns the problems with investment. For their first watch, they had raised $10 million on Kickstarter. For their second, 20 million. So even though Pebble didn't rely entirely on crowdfunding, they had to use it in their most crucial moments. You see, after their first Kickstarter campaign, the investment firm Charles River Ventures handed Pebble 15 million bucks. Pebble's first venture capital investment since its inception. CRV hoped to steer the company towards the health craze that was sweeping the wearable technology market and a craze Pebble hadn't jumped into from the start. In an interview with Wired, Migokovsky recognized that venturing into health earlier would have been a good decision. What he said was, we did not get this in 2014. If we had come out then as the smartwatch fitness wearable, maybe it would have been different. But even up until this moment, things seemed all right. CRV reported that sales were booming. Migokovsky stated that by 2014, Pebble had sold 1 million units and was maintaining profits. They stopped disclosing these numbers by the holiday of 2015, but still, the company was growing rapidly, perhaps too rapidly. So by the end of 2013, the company had around 25 staff members. By September 2015, it had ballooned into more than 160 employees, effectively quintupling its size. Morale was high, changes were on the way, such as a heart rate monitor, more health apps, the company was growing. But even after they raised their $10 million on Kickstarter, a $15 million investment from venture capital, why did they have to resort to crowdfunding for their second product? Something wasn't adding up, and that behavior threw investors off. But that's not to say people weren't interested. Around 2015, talks of a possible acquisition from watchmaker Citizen started to echo in the market. The offer? $740 million. That's how much Citizen believed in Pebble, but Migokovsky himself rebuffed the sale. So the reason why he rejected that acquisition has never really been cleared up. He just didn't want to sell the company. And it happened by the release of their second product that same year. Another possible buyer, Intel, 
came knocking on Pebble's door with another offer, this time for 70 million. That's 70, not 700. History repeats itself. What happened here is not clear, but Intel apparently walked away. So after turning down two possible company acquisitions, Mikhailkovsky was adamant that the Pebble brand would continue creating products. They planned to launch the Pebble Core in 2016. Think of it as a smart keychain for fitness, and they needed money desperately. That same year, they had to let go 25% of the staff. So if investors weren't interested at first, they were completely put off after the layoffs. Do you want to guess how they attempted to fund their third product? Well, yeah, crowdfunding. And yet again, Pebble managed to get $12 million. These guys are really good at crowdfunding, but it wasn't enough. In an interview with Vice, Mikakovsky tells of his desperation by mid-2016. He looked all over the world for investors, suppliers, buyers, everything. Even with that effort, by October, it was clear that Pebble was sinking and that the best thing they could do was to salvage as much as possible for their customers, employees, developers, and investors. The acquisition and demise. Once Migakovsky knew he had to sell, a possible buyer didn't take long to appear. It was a wearable manufacturer some people might know called Fitbit, and they came in with a very low offer of around $40 million. But Mikakowski had really no choice but to make a deal this time. Debt was piling up, estimates say around $25 million. Investors were demanding some returns and pledgers needed their cash back. So in 2016, for around $35 to $40 million, estimates say, Pebble was sold to Fitbit. No time was wasted. Fitbit scavenged Pebble for its most valuable assets, talent, and tech. Then they fired over 100 employees and that was it. Pebble was gone. In an interesting turn of events, Mikakowski ended up working for Y Combinator as a partner, and Pebble remained only in the memories of those who worked for the company, bought the watch, and believed in the idea. An idea that wasn't necessarily wrong, it just didn't have enough to be right. Once the Kickstarter fever died, they were left to their own devices, literally. Hardware is expensive and it needs to constantly reinvent itself. The company misread the market on several occasions and with the influx of other competitors, Apple and Fitbit, of course, those errors in judgment caught up to them. Pebble was the fairy tale startup, a small company trying to fight the big guys, and they can say they did manage to duke it out, at least for a while. But the wearable technology market is still very confusing. At first, it seemed that the spirit of Pebble would survive with Fitbit. After all, by merging technology and lessons learned, Fitbit aimed to take over wearables until it too fell victim to this complicated world of corporate giants. And last news in this story, Fitbit was just acquired by Google. We'll have to see what happens. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we did. Remember to turn on your notifications for our podcast. You can also follow us on slidebean.com slash podcasts. See you next week.